Go in and find your top five, 10, 20% of your customers, your whales. And one, thank them for being your best customer. And they're gonna know, because they've spent a lot. Surprise and delight with an offer. You know they're gonna spend. And importantly, you're not using this blanket coupon that everybody gets and training people to expect coupons. You're using it very tactically on a specific group of people. Finally, ask them for help. Here's a survey. We want to know what you have to say. It's not going to look like, hey, we're just trying to make some money. It's going to look like you're building the relationship, which is the whole point of customer retention, right? VIP sales make money. D2C marketers, let's get real. How many hours have you wasted searching for brand influencers only to come up empty-handed? It's time to stop spending time searching, scrolling, and haggling with influencers and start using creator marketing with hashtag paid. With hashtag paid, you can find your perfect creator match for your brand in less than 10 minutes every time. Getting started is easy. Just select your audience, campaign objectives, pick from a short list of creators, and hit run. It's just that easy. There's a reason why Hashtag Paid is the number one rated influencer marketing platform for D2C brands. As a D2C listener, you can even get credits for your first campaign. Just go to go.hashtagpaid.com slash DTCpod to get started. It's all killer, no filler. It's Thursday today, and I am back with Jordan Gordon, the head of email and customer retention here at Pilot House. How's it going today? Yeah, it's going great. Great to be here. Nice. I wanted to come up with some ways that we could tell our listeners to bump their revenue, let's say 10% in the next month. You know, either things that people are doing wrong that they could change, that could help them make incrementally more revenue from email next month, or things that they should be doing with their email in order to make incrementally more revenue next month. What, what would be top of mind for you? When we last spoke, I kind of set the stage by, by talking about the um, just the financial case for maintaining a relationship with someone. Right. And then uh, and in that talk, we kind of hit uh, we kind of started talking about coupons, because when you talk about um, about, you know, paying to acquire a customer or paying to reactivate a customer, the paying bit, it just always kind of goes to coupons. Uh, but today, you know, let's let's talk about how you can start doing that, but not have it just this blanket coupon you spread all over the place. Right. So let's talk about some messages, the messages you might use for a particular customer. Yeah. And um I think about a car wash here in town. It's like everywhere in town goes to this car wash to get there, to get the car wash. But it's like they have a coupon. And you know, you if you know, you never place, pay sticker price. Uh, you, you've got to go, but you have to pull it up on your phone and you got to pull it up. But to me, that coupon for me is never doing any value. It's because I'm, I'm getting my car wash regardless. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I do want to pay $15 less. So I'm getting the coupon. That To me, that's a blanket coupon that is just not really serving its purpose, you know? Yeah, and, and so I think um, what there's something called everyday low price, right? Walmart did EDLP and kind of proved that everyday low price was a better strategy than maintaining a high, um, like kind of ticker, a ticket price and then using coupons. I, I think that's kind of been settled. In the age of um, a price comparison and the internet, it just crushed that whole idea. So if you do have a blanket coupon, what you're doing is just saying, you know, I want to make it difficult for someone to get the everyday low price, <laughs> right? Uh, and then, yeah. Um, so tactically, 
we want to use these coupons at specific life cycle stages. And I think we discussed last time, um, segment out people who maybe came to you with a coupon or a certain coupon value. And, you know, tactic, you do it tactically. So we will, we'll, we'll discuss a tactical point today. But first, let's talk about what you do, you know, earlier. Let's, let's go through a new customer, a new subscriber, a customer, and then a, a, a big customer, say one of your whales, and, and where you, and the, the messages you, you would send out. So the first one I detailed was best sellers. So look, if you're looking to, uh, to, to up your revenue next month and you gotta make three messages, well, let's, let's first make a best sellers message. And the reason is this is a workhorse message. You will get use out of this. You, get, you can call it essentials, call it whatever you want, go into your catalog, look at the best stuff, get an email, make a grid of, of six items, maybe that go good together. And that's gonna work all over the place in, in your automated email system, right? But first, anyway, first you create it, send it out to your prospects, right? Prospects will react to a, to a best seller's email. Yes? Yes, well, that you know that the, they are best sellers for a reason. They, res, you know, it resonates with the most people, so therefore, it's a it's a good workhorse message. I agree. Yeah, well, what sixty percent of the time it works every time, right? Exactly. So it's just exactly. like so. What I recommend everybody always say, make a best sellers. So okay, look, that's super simple. There's not there's there's not a whole lot more to say about that one. Just make that email. If you don't have a best sellers email, make it right now. And the next one is kind of this uh, this made for each other, right? It was a, a cross sell. So now, so you've 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 spoken to your prospects. You've said, "Here's the best stuff we've got." Now, someone who's purchased, well, if you go and look at your, um, this is especially easy if you've got a smaller catalog. This is a bit more. If you've got a really large catalog, you really need to use um, automation and and um, predictive technology to do this. But if you've got a smaller catalog, just go and look at your at your two biggest items, or maybe your biggest item and the item that sells best with it. You know, my workout bench my dumbbells, right? You know, and create a message talks about how those two go great together. And the sneaky thing is, it's not a message that you bought the workbench, try this dumbbell. People know what they bought. You don't need to call that out for them. If they get an email that talks about, you know, this item that goes great with this item and they've bought one of those items, they're going to know that you're speaking to them, right? But since you sneakily don't specifically call out which one they bought, you can use that message for both of those buyers. So now you've built your first kind of cross-sell email, right? And it's gonna be useful in a couple different places in an automation uh, when we get, when we, when we discuss that next. But then you've got something to send to, to some customers, right? And these two are both great messages that apply um, to, a, to a large portion of your prospect and customer base, and none of them were coupons. None of them were, hey, I wanna just give up my margin. Right. So best sellers, best for top of funnel. It's going to work 60% of the time, every time for, for, for your clients. But then cross sells, you're narrowing it down to two groups of people who bought, in this case, one of two products, and you're killing two birds with one stone by being ambiguous. I love it. Yeah. And then, so finally, now let's talk about your big customers. And this one's the most complicated of the three. Um, so, you know, we're saying, hey, we want to up our revenue next month. Well, let's do a VIP sale. So now go in and find your, your top five, 10, 20% of your customers, whatever, it depends on your customer base, you know, your, your whales, however, however much your customers that is. And one, thank them for being your best customer. So you're going to get that and go, oh, wow, I'm one of their best customers. And they're going to know because they've spent a lot. 
Whatever it is, it might be number of transactions, it might be total value, whatever. They're gonna know, like I've spent a lot here. Oh, hey, I'm one of their best customers, right? Surprise and delight with an offer. Now, I did say in our last discussion that, um, you know, when we talked about the 2020-40, that it's best to spend to, on someone who's just made their first purchase because you get the most leverage and you don't necessarily want to spend to reactivate someone who's bought seven times. But we're not talking about a flywheel here. We're talking about we want to make some money. So go to these guys, tell them you think they're great, give them an offer, you know they're gonna spend. And importantly, you're not using this blanket coupon that everybody gets and training people to expect, expect coupons, right? You're, you're using it very tactically on a specific group of people. And then finally, what makes it really great is ask them for help. Say, help us make your service better our service better, or our product better. Here's a survey, we wanna know what you have to say. It's not gonna look like, hey, we're just trying to make some money. It's gonna look like, uh, like, an, like you're building the relationship, which is the whole kind of point of customer retention, right? Build that relationship, show them that, that, that you wanna learn from them as their best customers, give them a deal, uh, and I mean, VIP sales make money, yeah? Yeah, and you're meeting people where they're at, you're putting them, you said, you know, surprise and delight. So, you know, I, I don't think I've ever gotten an email telling, maybe I'm not anyone's best customer uh, or anyone that I know about or that I tell about online. But uh, but it, that is, that puts you in that state of surprise and delight. Oh, thank you for, you know, letting me know that I'm, that, and so you're already in a, in a predisposed good mood with this brand potentially. Yeah. I mean, imagine, if you're imagining it right now, right? Imagine if a company contacted you and said you're one of their best customers. Wouldn't you just feel great that someone even wrote that for you? And I'd want to maintain, I'd want to continue my, my status. Yeah, you'd want, you'd want to use the deal, right? You'd probably pull out your wallet and buy right then and there. Uh, and then here's the kicker. Your best customers, you want their friends to be your customers too, right? Because they like the same things, they have the same incomes, whatever it is. You want their friends. So use your Refer a Friend program. And if you don't have a Refer a Friend program, contact us right away, <laughs> right? Use that Refer a Friend program to say, hey, why don't you give this deal to a friend of yours and give that same deal to one of their friends? And they're going to get this message that says, look, I'm one of their greatest customers, right? It's, it's kind of a chance to, to share that with someone else, right? Uh, and have that person realize, hey, you, you're, look how appreciated you are by this company. And it also just broadens the spend. So um, yeah, so it's, it's your plus one to the party. Love it. There's our three messages, right? Prospect, kind of first time or early buyer and and whale. And all of this can kind of help wean some of our listeners potentially off their coupon addiction. Yeah, like, I mean, important to never get there in the first place. That's the first thing. Because we talked about the, the, the pig going through the python and if they're expecting a coupon, you have they have to go through a trough where they do not use one until they are convinced that, that, uh, that you're not going to send another one. So first, don't get there in the first place. Second, be tactical. And um, I mean, th that wasn't what I was gonna discuss next, but we might as well just um, put, a put a nail on that or whatever. Um, so um, when someone comes in, if they come in at a discount, tag their customer record with a new column that says they came in with a discount. And if you have the technology, tag them with another column that says what the discount was, what the dollar value was, the percentage, many different ways to do it so that you can remove them from coupon use in future, right? So it's kind of like, a, 
use a coupon once, good for you. But you know, we're not gonna just have this happening over and over and over again. That's gonna stop them from getting that addiction. And then you can surprise and delight later if you want, right? It's time to let your customers enjoy the products they love without the friction of reordering. That's why the world's most innovative brands like Pete's Coffee and Il Maquillage rely on order group subscriptions to build long-lasting customer relationships and deliver recurring revenue. OrderGroove integrates with all e-commerce platforms, making the experience easy to manage and seamless for shoppers. From enrollment incentives to churn-fighting AI, OrderGroove gives your business the tools it needs to be the next big subscription success story. Visit ordergroove.com DTC to receive two months off your first contract. Love it. So what you're talking about here are mainly... And we talked about this last time too, like when campaigns turn into flows and the way we've talked about these so far are more as sort of uh, one-off campaigns where you're going to be trying to raise your revenue uh, through each of your different customer life cycles. But where do these messages, let's say the best seller, the cross sell and the VIP sale, where do these work best in your actual flows or, or email automations? The standard way to think about this is welcome non-buyer, welcome buyer post-purchase, reactivation, and then your kind of your funnel automation like cart abandon. That's just the, the, the basic, basic thing, right? And we didn't discuss one for reactivation. I mean, reactivation might as well be a coupon, right? Um, because they've, you've kind of, you're almost giving up on them and you want to do anything you can to get them back. Um, so if you want to start building, I mean, there's lots of products that have all kinds of ways to do this. Um, but you can even do it pretty well with like MailChimp or whatever. The, what you want to think about is after specific life cycle stages, after specific milestones, like they subscribe, uh, and then you can say, did they subscribe with a purchase, without a purchase, for buyer, non-buyer? The best sellers goes well with both though, by the way, it's a workhorse email. Uh, and then if someone purchases, you've got a purchase date. So set a period of time after these, after subscription, after purchase, where no broadcast emails go. So you kind of create a little segment, an exclusion segment. So when you're sending out your messages, like here's the case, someone, someone buys a new shirt from your recent launch. You don't want to just send them an email about your new shirts, right? So you want to create a space where your automated messages are going to go, 30 days, 60 days, something like that. And then you've got a flow that goes out with a specific purpose at that very high engagement point in that customer's life cycle. So, Let's say welcome, whether it's welcome for buyers or non-buyers. Send them the best seller's email, right? It's gonna work every time. Unless they bought every single one of those on their first purchase, it's gonna have something for them, right? Second, your post-purchase perfect together uh, email. One, I mean, you can just send that to all post-purchases if you want, right? Because if it's your biggest SKU, probably, um, you know, they've bought one of them if it's, if, it's, if it's your bigger SKUs, and even if not, whatever. But you could segment to see, have they purchased this SKU? And you could, you know, really hit them specifically. And if you already had an existing post-purchase, that's what you'd want to do. You'd want to go in there and, and have some rules and say, send this to people who've, who've bought that. But anyway, that thing's going to work in your post-purchase flow, no matter what. Finally, your VIPs. So you want to know when someone becomes a VIP. So you're gonna have some rules, like, uh, you know, has spent 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks, whatever it is, uh, or has made a certain number of purchases. And so 30 days might not be enough, you might wanna wait longer, 
but you then time it. After that purchase, when they become a VIP, you set that timer and they're gonna get that, uh, that VIP offer with an individualized coupon code, because now we're being tactical. We're, we're stopping all of our customers from getting coupons and we're giving it to these people who, who we really appreciate, right? Um, it's, 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 it's the carrot. So um, give them that individualized offer at that point, say 90 days after they become a VIP or something like that, offer the refer friend and have this, and there you get something that's a little more um, flywheelish. Yeah? It's, that's uh, that's interesting. And I imagine the individualized coupons probably don't show up on Honey and those types of things, right? Because I think so many people use those browsers extensions to sort of, you know, the, if there's a coupon code slot in a checkout, so many people will bounce and then try to find a coupon. Uh, and I imagine those individualized ones don't show up there. That's the car wash. You were just talking about that, yeah. right? And so what yeah. you're doing, especially I see it on the site, one, I see, I go to a site and it just says 10% off. Now, first of all, it's like there are so many better ways to say 10% off. Why not say, if, if you've got a small AOV, $5 off or $10 off, and then it's just something other than 10%, right? It's more or, tangible, right? This is something I've seen t tested multiple times and the way you word how you discount can be such a big difference. And in my experience, it, the people care about the cash more than the percentages. That's right. You see this? Who get? No one gets out of bed for 10%. It's just not enough. No. Right? But, you know, like, save 50 bucks. Oh, whoa. Okay, 50 bucks, 50 bucks. Yeah. Right? So anyway, as we said, it's the blanket offer. And all you're saying is my prices are too high and anybody can go and, and lower my prices whenever they want. So that's not what we want to do. We want, that's, that, that's, so the individualized code, you need to use a, a, a system that supports individualized codes, or you can go in monthly and change the code. You can do a thing where, you know, then it's, you know, it's not gonna stay there on that site forever. It might leak in there, but it'll, it'll expire. And those sites, you gotta do a lot of scrolling on those sites. I've had to hunt for coupon codes for my, for roles before. So I know that if, if you're changing it once a month, it's, it's better than nothing. Uh, and yeah, you're again, protecting your, your, Rewarding your best customers and protecting those who've just started their journey so that they respect your prices. Uh, we had a guy, we had Kuru Footwear on the podcast uh, that we just released this week. And Sean was talking about, it's funny, he was telling me that it actually happened in an interview when it was uh, with, a, with someone he didn't end up hiring. And so he felt bad because he took his advice, didn't hire him. But the, the advice from the person he was hiring was not to be afraid to send more emails. And they, they sort of doubled the amount of emails that they were sending. And they ended up, you know, doubling or, or very incrementally increasing their revenue without affecting their list size or their unsubscribe rate. So he was very thankful that this guy urged him to be a bit more aggressive. But what I was wondering is, do you know of any ways to actually sort of test what is the appropriate number of emails to send per week uh, with an eye to long-term profitability? Like you can say to anyone, double the amount of emails you send, but how do you, how do you actually get a sense from the data? Like how many is too many? How many is just enough? So I, I do know that. I don't know if I ever discussed that with you, but it's funny because I've got a, I've got a specific system for this that I've used at really large companies. And it's almost like we, we would we would might need to have a whole additional talk to really break it down. It's super, super nerdy, but I'll just give you the, the, the teaser for it, right? So first of all, uh, the individual that you were discussing said, hey, send more emails. Yeah, if it doesn't increase your unsubscribe rate, it does still increase your unsubscribes. Send four times more emails, you will get four times more unsubscribes, plus the in increase in the rate. Um, hold on, let me step back. So here's the system, okay? 
Every email you send has a net email value. And that is the value of all the revenue you made minus the predicted value of all the future emails you would have sent to the people who unsubscribed. So it's revenue minus predicted revenue from unsubscribes. Interestingly, I spent like, I spent a few years pondering on what and how to calculate the future revenue of those unsubscribes. This is one of those things that I was walking around, I think about email stuff all the time. And I would do like, oh, I just assume they're with you for a year. And the problem is, this is where it gets super nerdy. The problem is your list size is a limit. It's, it's like logarithmic. It never, it never really, by the math, it never hits zero from the unsubscribes, right? So you use, this is the coolest part about it. You use half-life mathematics from like atomic energy, right? So what's the half-life of your list? So you just assume, you, you, whatever, you plug it in to the spreadsheet and you say, look, the average person who unsubscribed would have been in my list for the half-life of the list. And you use the nuclear math, which you can find on Google. The decay rate, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I mean, I love this stuff. Um, anyway, so um, what, what you'll find if you model this out, and in order to do it properly, you need to test at every frequency. So this isn't something you just do. Right? How do you how do you know how people react to a specific frequency? You have to give that frequency of emails for a long time. So you test for a whole quarter, and you say, "Look, we're sending." And you also need to do it by segment because your highly engaged customers consume more emails than your low than your low engaged customers. So this is really complicated to do. But let's just say you were doing four segments, and you were going to test one, two, three, and I mean you four emails a week to those. Some of those you you're un, you would never test for a week to your unengaged. But uh, anyway, you would test that for a quarter and then ramp it up for another quarter, ramp it up for another quarter, generating tons of opt-outs. But what you will find is you reach a point where you send more emails and you do get more money now, but you lose so much money in future that you didn't actually make more money from that additional email. And you will find some segments who it looks like you're making more money from three, but you're actually making more money in the long run from two, for instance. For the people that stayed on the list and didn't get sort of taken off by, by the extra mailing. You ever go through your inbox and you're like, oh my God, there's just too much in here. Unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. Oh yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want that to be you. No. It reminds me, it's funny, I worked for a company that when I you know, was selling higher ticket like conferences and, and event tickets and anytime there was an unsubscribe, you know, they viewed that as an opportunity, you know, they lost a thousand dollar sale or maybe a thousand dollars over the 10 year, the next 10 years, maybe it's $10,000. And so they were extremely precious with unsubscribes. It's the revenue per email sent times the unsubscribe rate times the number of sends in the half life of the list right? And that's how you add it up. So you add it up quite specifically and then subtract that from the revenue of that one email. And it's not hard to suddenly lose half the revenue of your email. Now, here's the one caveat. Um, and so point being that thousand dollars, you can be explicit. You can just calculate how much you lost. The one caveat is this assumes that your list is a going concern. You have to be a certain size. You've got to have a brand. You got to, you know, 
like, you know, this is something that like Nike does, right? If you're just like trying to grow, trying to exit, you're at your growth at any cost phase, you're trying to get money out to feed back into, um, into your acquisitions to get more customers in. I mean, in, in plenty of cases, money now is, is what you want if it's not really a mature channel. So, you know, so. And we are talking about 10% next month. So if we're talking about that, you know, that's what sort of the theme of the podcast has been. So in the spirit of that, it might be like, hey, test another email. Test another two emails next month. Send another email for sure. Like, you know, we've actually talked about three great emails you can send. I would say send them. Um, usually, usually, usually your boss or whoever just wants more money now. So that's kind of what you do. Yeah. We're, you know, we're gonna have to book a meeting uh, because we're, we're doing some really interesting things on the newsletter side in terms of uh, just like what you're talking about. It's funny, we're using the terms decay rate. Uh, you know, we haven't said half-life yet, but essentially it's this idea of, you know, when we bring in a cohort of users, you know, we know roughly what an open is worth to us, for instance, on, on any given send. So we can kind of map out over time, like how, what the payback period is for any given cohort for the number of opens that they might earn. And so we're always trying to optimize our cohorts to sort of have earlier payback periods, which means that they're more, they're opening more avidly, uh, which means they drop off, you know, less and, and keep our overall engagement rates up. So I think we'll have to pull you on to a call to geek out over this with us, because I think you probably add a lot. Sounds like fun. If people want to work just quickly, like people, like I know Pilot House, we know where our, our email team is booming. Uh, people want to work with the Pilot House email Don't team. Don't forget what, to give me a call. Yeah, exactly. What do you recommend? Just fill out the form <laughs> on the website? Um, fill out the form on the website. Um, you, you can email me at jordan.g at pilothouse.co. I am happy to help you. Uh, but yeah, fill out the form. Uh, if you're an existing customer, we love to cross sell. Uh, so, you know, um, and also we love to obviously work with our other departments. You're sending customers in. What's the retention strategy for those customers? What's the message you gave those customers? Let's match that. Let's make it a, a let's, you know, use all of the channels together. That's what, that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited. So especially if you're an existing customer, please call uh, and let's get that going on. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.